Happy New Year! Oh, that's great. I love it when everything comes together and the sound effects happen and just celebrate the fireworks and bowling night. It's just so cool. Welcome into Ingle Radio, the podcast. I'm Darren Millard along with Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison, who uh, he doubles as our editor and our producer and uh, and our dad. And right now he's very upset with me because I just I, I set it up for extra effects. And every time I do that, he's like, oh, more work. No, now I don't have to think. No, I don't have to think. I'm just making notes what I have to keep up with. <laughs> hey, guys, uh, seriously, Happy New Year. Happy 2022 as we turn the page and, uh, and get into things. Uh, uh, do you guys uh, practice resolutions at all? Do, do you come up with anything that maybe you might want to focus on, uh, whether it's hockey-related or life-related? Hutch? Uh, I often do, except quite on purpose. I either start them a couple days before or a couple days after so I can say that they're not New Year's resolutions because those always fail. So I'll probably mm. do something tomorrow. Well, that makes it. You got some time. I'm going to listen to you two get inspired and make up my uh, resolution tomorrow, but it's Woody. not a New Year's one. Not a resolutions guy, although recently I feel like I'm writing down ways to get better on an everyday basis. It's like I slip them into my to-do list and then I fail at every aspect of that to-do list. So um, maybe my resolution should be to make more realistic to-do lists on a daily basis so I don't need wide-sweeping resolutions. That's There you go. I just came up with one. I guess I am doing Hot, one. you're nodding. Okay, I... I- we're, it's, we're not we're not sponsored by this company, but I actually downloaded a little app called Streaks, probably a month ago, where you can set in things that you want to do every day, and you just sort of tap on your phone to say I did it, and then you get that sort of rush that your streak is up to ten days, fifteen days, twenty days, whatever. I find trying to keep a streak a really um, motivating thing, so I do that. So, for example, I haven't checked my phone when I wake up in forty some odd days now, just because of that. Ooh, ooh, that'd be see. That's like my kids with the Snapchat, right? They got to keep these streaks going, and they're like addicted to them. I guess you could turn that into a positive thing. It's kind of a cool thing. You get the what is it? A dopamine rush or something like that every time you reward yourself for having kept up the streak. Wow. I you know I got my I got I got the Apple Watch, and so you know like it has the got an app for the watch fitness goals, right? So you get the fitness goals daily. You're supposed to meet certain move and exercise right into that this app. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So I, I do like that feeling at the end of the day, although I will say on New Year's Eve that like I, I had a goal to to continue a streak that had gone on for a couple of weeks. My, my streaks died with COVID as I couldn't exercise for a while, but I'm back on track. I'm ready to go. I after dinner, little dessert, couple drinks. It yeah. didn't happen. Boys. <laughs> that that, that red circle is only halfway in and not getting yeah. It not getting yeah. the whole way. Yeah, around. there was the, the red circle was a flaming ball <laughs> of failure last night. Uh, that's uh, that's well done. I enjoy that as we bring you Ingle Radio, the podcast presented by the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com. Source for sports, Surrey, uh, and uh, a lot going on around. I was keeping up to date with the Boxing Day sales and then the subsequent uh, sales that uh, that came after that. Uh, just following, like the email that we get, uh, and I click on it, and there's some some really cool uh, bargains out there. Well, okay, so most of those were, there's two lessons here. Most of those were Boxing Week sale related. And as we explained to our American listeners, Boxing Week, Boxing Day sales are kind of like your Black Friday sales, except now they extend a whole week. The only downside is by the time we record this, the Boxing Week sales have expired. So a lot of those things. So the the two keys here, one, sign up, go to thehockeyshop.com and sign up to get their email. Because then you would have been up to date 
on every item that was on sale this week. You would have gotten those updates as Darren did on a regular basis. You'll also be getting a new one for maybe Boxing Week sales over, but there's one part of that sale that's going to continue. And in fact, it's going to expand. Warrior V1 sticks. So these are the composite sticks that sort of initiated that rush in the National Hockey League of NHL goaltenders using Warrior sticks. Many of them still use the V1 stick. Cam has secured over 400 Warrior V1 sticks. Now there's multiple models. There's Pro, there's Pro Pro Plus, there's Senior, there's Senior Plus. We've gone over them in videos in the past. We'll probably repost that link to an old review of all the different models. They're now all 30% off. So Cam got a smoking deal on a whole bunch of Warrior V1 sticks, lots of different patterns, paddle lengths, all kinds of options in stock now, 30% off the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. Make sure you go get yours early so you can get the paddle length and the pattern that you prefer because as many as there are, they won't last at this price. Can I ship uh, Warrior across the border? Warrior crosses oh. the border, baby. So that's like 30% off plus the exchange rate. <laughs> He's practically giving them away, that folks. That is great. And you're right. War- like Warrior took over National Hockey League creases with that with that v1 model they they did now now little caveat we've thrown it out here before like just just a reality check warriors also one of uh only a couple of companies that have stick only contracts for nhl goaltenders so um the goalies get paid to use those warrior sticks and there aren't very many other companies that pay you just to use a stick but yeah i mean obviously guys aren't going to use them if they don't like them they've done a nice job with the line uh hutch i remember reviewing the original ritual sticks way back in the day uh, when they first went over to the composite, uh, they've come a long way from there. And they were good at the Remember, they used to have the dampening technology in the hand. They had an actual... Right in the shot. You know, I remember talking yeah. to the researchers where they'd actually calculated the vibration wavelengths that your hand feels and inserted a material in the shoulder of the stick that eliminated that wavelength. So in other words, like there was obviously going to be vibrations, but they weren't the vibrations that our hands feel. So a lot of cool tech has gone into it over the years. And you know, Warriors, they've done a nice job with their sticks and sort of evolving their lines, playing catch up with the Bowers of the world and the CCMs of the world, and obviously doing a good job uh, having an impact in the National Hockey League. And now you can get them at 30% off, and they're practically free if you're love in that. Uh, so 400 sticks, you'll be able to get your paddle length that you want, uh, basically the color that uh, you want. If you get on this uh, right now, the, the pattern, uh, the curve, it's, uh, it's all just waiting for you. You can't buy all 400, Darren, though. you got to leave a little for the listeners. Imagine that having 400 sticks dropped off in front of the garage. Wouldn't that be cool oh, to have that yeah. arrive? Okay, so there, okay, so st- hey, story time there. So, one of the things that happened with Warrior uh, when they went to complete composite, remember, remember they had the remember Warrior um, bought Montreal, the, the company that made the foam core sticks in Finland. I think it was Teppo Newman's yes. company at the time. And so they were making the most popular foam core stick in the National Hockey League by a long shot. When they closed that plant, I want to say top of my head around 2018, um, maybe maybe a little later than that, they gave their NHLers a heads up. And you remember we had Colin Delia on. By the way, Colin Delia is starting as we record this today for the Chicago Blackhawks. Attaboy deals, getting the call up. Um, And... He was one of, I think, a handful of goalies that when the factory closed... They just, rather than sort of risk getting caught without, 
ordered 250 of his stick in that model. I remember him telling us that story, and I've since had it confirmed because I kind of updated the story recently for NHL.com. We'll have to throw a version up at Mag. There's only three left, three goalies left using foam corn. They're all using True because True is getting them made uh, by a company um, in, oh, and I'm cramping on the name right now. I had it in the story, but uh, a company in in Canada, sort of the last sort of foam core yeah. producers. But most of the guys, the Warrior guys finally switched over. And so Colin is actually in that story about, you know, having burned through those 250 sticks and switching finally over to a composite model. So um, only three left in the NHL. They are, boys, top of your head, who are the last three wearing using foam core sticks in the National Hockey League? Darren will know one right away. Darren knows okay, one can of them. I, can I, I can go first. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rogi Vachon, Bernie Perrant, and Annie Moog. No, they didn't even have foam in those things. Those were just solid slabs of wood. Did I get any right? Your guy and your guy, it was your guy for years in Vegas. Marc Andre Fleury? Yeah, Marc Andre yeah. Fleury in Chicago's one of the three. Hutch? I could not. That's the only one I had. Oh, come on. We need like Jeopardy music going on. No, it's on there. Right there. Yeah, it's I already there. That. There it is. This, can't you hear it? <laughs> Brian Elliott? Ooh. And come on, guys. You sure it's not Andy Moog? Pretty sure it's not Andy. Curtis Moog. Curve? Henrik Lundqvist. No, remember we did a story Curtis on Joseph. Henrik Lundqvist switching. He's yeah. not playing anymore, Kevin. I know, but we did a story on him switching. Kevin's Kevin's trying to make it look like he's really smart, but Kevin I can see forgot. Him to find that, that's why he's, he's stalling, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> Kevin forgot this third guy. No, uh, Dustin Tokarski. Oh, really? There you Tick. go. Yeah, ticks ticks one of the last three to use them, and and um, yeah, he's just he's in the process of trying to switch over to the true ones because his warrior ones are on their last leg. So um, yeah, Kevin had a little brain cramp there. We I was trying to get the cover with the the music and make you guys look bad, but the truth is I had a brain I fart. Don't understand not adopting it because the technology and the feel is so great, but. I'm not a professional goaltender, and I don't have 500 wins, so uh, I will default to to Mark Andre Fleury on this one. Uh, he's trying. He's trying some composites. He he's tried a bunch, and he's trying a bunch more uh, right now. Actually, I think he got a, a new batch of composites from True this week, and so he's he's looking at it. He's looking at it. But hey, he's as he told me a couple of years ago, like he's still got leather straps and metal buckles on his pads, and he knows that they add significant weight at a time when everyone's trying to get lighter. Um, but as he said, he just needs something to stand out, right? Got to go old school sometimes. Uh, Got to be uh, old. No, nobody wants to be uh, standing out right now uh, because if you're standing out at this point of the season as we record this, it's not for a good thing. Uh, gentlemen, uh, oh, I haven't even mentioned our feature interview this week. Uh, Stuart Skinner is going to join us on our Sense Arena uh, feature interview. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, uh, he got the opportunity to be up in the National Hockey League for a significant time, and uh, what an experience that was. Uh, during the absence of Mike Smith. So uh, we'll get into that in just a little bit. But if you're standing out in the National Hockey League right now, it's for all the wrong reasons. Arizona allowed eight. We had uh, Tampa Bay surrender nine. San Jose gave up seven. And then a bunch of teams, including Edmonton and L.A., uh, were pulling the puck out of the net six times. What? There's a goal explosion. How do you explain what's happened to the to the goalies when... Just a couple of weeks ago, we were raving about the league-wide save per percentage, and it's it's dropped off. And 
there's got to be some explanation in there at somewhere. Well, okay, so there's a whole bunch of explanations, but I think the most, the obvious one is I mushed it, like absolutely mushed it. I wrote the story on December 3rd that save percentage had increased to 913 from 908 last year. It was the biggest single, it was on pace to be the biggest single season jump in 20 years. It was the first time in like five seasons it's gone up at all. And since then, it was actually almost 914 when I got the full math on it from the NHL. But since then, in the less than a month since then, it has dropped a full two points down to 911. So good job recognizing the trend, Kevin. Great job writing the story and jinxing everyone. Hold on, hold on. I think it's this still is up significantly. It's it's still up three points, but it was up almost six. A market correction. And market so in correction. A month, it happens all the time, TSX. Uh, but but normally, save percentage is lower through the first quarter of a season and rises as the year goes on because teams tighten up defensively. Clearly, that hasn't happened. And I think the reality of it is it's COVID. It's teams dressing lineups that you know aren't fully NHL lineups. The Montreal Canadiens, as we record this, are getting set to play the Florida Panthers with a, with, with a roster that would not qualify as having enough NHL players in a preseason contest to meet the minimums. There are a lot of teams running on fumes. There are a lot of teams running out goaltenders they didn't plan to run out there because the starters and the backups get COVID. Tampa Bay gives up nine to Florida the other day with Vasilevsky and Brian Elliott out on COVID protocol. And then also the the, the night where there were like this, what, the Sharks had a two-point conversion on their touchdown yeah. to beat Arizona 8-7, who only had the, they made the mistake of only going for one on their touchdown. Um, that was that was like a, these teams are taking ten days yeah, off. Yeah, that was out of the like it's the not a normal break. three day Christmas break. Yeah, like it's like they're not used to coming back after two weeks off, and systems are loose, players aren't the same. It's not the same National Hockey League, and I think a lot of the stats are going to be all over the place. As Correct a me if I'm wrong, but the, in that eight seven game, San Jose over Arizona, uh, Arizona never led, which is bizarre when you score seven goals that you don't find at some point uh, a, a way to lead. And I think both goaltenders played the whole game, yeah, which did. is which is that. crazy too. That coaches, whether you you don't have uh, uh, the backup that you would normally put in, uh, because that's that's what comes into this play too. You might have somebody from the ECHL or or the American Hockey League that's uh, down the depth chart as your backup that you just don't want to throw in there. So the 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 guy who starts is the guy that's going to finish, and if you're having a bad night. That bad night's going to be last the whole night. Well, and uh, James, James Reimer was the victim yeah. of the San Jose net of uh, giving up the Arizona seven. He went from, I believe, like at or in the top three of the league at nine thirty seven all the way to nine twenty eight in one game. Like you don't you don't recover quickly from an eight or nine goal game. Like it take it it dents the stats. So you know, as odd as these circumstances are, like it, we could have a it could have a significant impact. On you know things like Vesna races and things like that. If you're a goalie that gets stuck in one of these games with a no-name defense or a team that's just not ready to play, coming off of you know an extended Christmas break, like it could make the difference between a great season and a good season, a good season and a bad season, at least statistically. Like we've we've talked to Curtis McElhenney, right? Like he got stuck behind a t- couple tough outings for the Tampa Bay Lightning in a backup role last year. He had no chance for his statistics to recover from that. Just no chance at all. Yeah, certainly for a backup. I mean, Rhyme's still sitting at 928. I'd take that any day of the week. And 
he's going to play enough games that I think that's going to recover. But surely, Kevin, the general manager, is pour through the stats with a fine-tooth comb when selecting the Vesna Trophy winner each year, and we can trust that they'll do a good job, won't they? Yeah, don't don't get them started because those <laughs> I, I lean on those guys for for information. I like to get and, them, uh, and I want them to be my Just trying to wind me. I, up. I want those guys to still be my friends. And every time Kevin goes on one of these oh, rants, those enough. guys get mad at me. Idiots. Those uh, those Just those kidding. managers. Uh, so, are we seeing more goaltenders then? When when I talk about uh, guys being called up, uh, whether it's the ECHL or the uh, or the National Hockey League, uh, leaning on the American Hockey League, uh, are are we seeing more guys? I think so. I think we're. We're up to 93 goaltenders have uh, played a, a little bit so far this season, which is roundabout where we tend to be towards the end of the season. Last year, I, f- I forget, was it 98, something like that, uh, full season. When we go back a couple of years, I know they finished around 93. So, I mean, it's not extraordinary, but we've still got a long way to go here, and we're at a season length of, of goaltenders. So that obviously means there's guys that wouldn't normally be getting starts that are getting in there, just supporting exactly what Woody said. And some teams just go on these run Vegas in their first year, ended up using five, six guys uh, because of injury. And that was not even a COVID year. You're, you just end up, uh, there's the odd season where you have to go through your entire system or acquire players. I mean, we, we've already seen that uh, with uh, with John Gillies. Uh, one day he's playing in the ECHL and the next day he's in the National Hockey League and being traded uh, because just teams need 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 goaltenders. Any idea? Hey, if you if you think it's big in the NHL, we were talking about it earlier off camera. ECHL, man, trickle down effect. American Hockey League, ECHL. Like I wish I had an ECHL team here in Vancouver because I'd be applying for a job as the goaltender. There have been some remarkable e-bug stories coming out this year. Hutch, you had one where a goalie had to had to borrow equipment. We had another one. We had a goalie back just back for for Christmas holidays from university. He ends up. Not only getting the call to go play for the local ECHL team, he wins as the starter. Like just crazy stuff. I think going that on. might have been the same one. He had to borrow equipment because he was That's home on holidays. Insane. Not many of us would hop into a beer league game no. on borrowed equipment. Well, I need both sticks. <laughs> for sure. Uh, the SPHL, uh, the ECHL, uh, they've been left with uh, with just bare bones in in the closet when it comes to resources to get get players and, and play games. COVID one. One stop. Oh, the yeah. trickle down has got to be incredible. Darren, you've, you've faced NHL shooters uh, yeah. now. You're ready. Get in there. Somebody's yeah, got to uh, want yeah. Darren. If there's a minor pro team looking for a goaltender tonight, I fly in would love that. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I can't afford the pay cut. Not not from In Goal Radio, the podcast. <laughs> with, with what I'm making here, <laughs> I can't afford the, the, the pay cut to, to go. To, and, and I would love to get my name on the game sheet and be able to do it, but Sorry, guys. Got 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 to look after the kids. Kids got to eat. Darren, if you have to make if you have to miss a week, we will keep your exorbitant salary <laughs> up just so that you can go play pro. Heck, that means we could interview you. Yeah, we could yes. do pro reads with you. We could do pro tips. We hey, could milk this. Could all you imagine year doing a pro longer. read? Go do with it, me and Woody. <laughs> oh, mine would be mine would be like. Well, you see, I dropped here because my eyes were closed there. <laughs> I. I yeah, no, but that's the scary thing is Woody would have a very in-depth description of why he did everything just before he I fell I threw in a two-pad stack for the boys uh, last week, just after Christmas, and there was like hoots right and on. hollers from the coaches and the players. They Half the players were giggling because they, they thought I might have fallen, and the, the other half were like, well, that was a cool two-pad stack. So we, we, we'd have some fun in some, some pro raids. 
We would have an awesome time. I'd want to bring in the veteran one. In fact, I think uh, Kelly Rudy already agreed that he'd do one with us so we can go back and look at some of those 1970 saves. We got to just pull the tape. But uh, you and Woody would be spectacular and we'd have Uh, to do it someday. We just need video. Somebody in the stands when Darren's doing a game day skate or something like that has to pull it. We, uh, we know the uh, the impact uh, on on teams because we've seen uh, so many of our, our friends who have uh, joined us on In Gold Radio, the podcast, uh, end up on National Hockey League rosters. And one of those is Stuart Skinner, who uh, has been knocking on the door and because of the injury to Mike Smith, uh, got to spend uh, uh, an extended time period up with Dave Tippett and the big club and an opportunity to work with uh, the National Hockey League coaches and face National Hockey League shooters and then also get into National Hockey League games, Woody. And here's our feature interview brought to you by Sense Arena. Uh, Just uh, set it up before I want to get Hutch's uh, update on Sense Arena. I I think that uh, everything you described there is actually, it almost more applies to last year. Like last year was the year where the injury got him the opportunity. He only played one game, but he was up with the team. And as you'll hear in this interview, he got into a game, he won his game, but it was how eye-opening that was for him in terms of the steps that he had to take. And then full credit to Stewart, the steps he did take going back to the American Hockey League last season, having his best run in that league and earning the opportunity this year to really prove that he's an NHL goaltender. And he has, he's proven he's ready for the National Hockey League. And it wasn't just in this run recently, which I think finished with a 916 save percentage uh, over the course of, I want to say off the top of my head, nine games during this recent run, but even back to preseason, the work, what he did last year, and then the work he did going back after the single game opportunity in the NHL earned him the opportunity to play more in the preseason. And he looked like an NHL goalie, like there was a step taken here. And so getting a chance to dig in with Stewart on that process and what led to that step from last year to this year uh, is a big part of this interview. And there's a lot of great things that every goalies at every level can glean from it. Um, it's not just about an opportunity this year. It's about making the most of the learning lessons from a smaller opportunity last year so that when it came around this year, he was 100% prepared. And uh, one of those areas where you can capitalize uh, on the lessons uh, and, and the experiences is to... Uh, Lean on Sensorina, Sensorina VR, Hutch. For sure. I could imagine that uh, Stuart Skinner would be the kind of guy that might use it. You know, guys, I actually was on the ice with him. I want to say he was a 16-year-old. He was coming off, I think, his first year in the Western Hockey League. I'm going to get some of this wrong. Uh, He was at Eli Wilson's uh, prospects camp in Toronto. And, you know, those camps are filled with Western Hockey League, Ontario Hockey League guys, NCAA guys. And still, around Skinner, there was sort of this aura that there was something special there. The way he carried himself, the way people sort of, uh, you know, the way he owned the net um, was really, really impressive. And and two things stood out for me. One was at that young age, um, directing the shooters, these, again, NCAA Western League shooters, and just saying, no, you're not doing the drill right. You're doing this for me. Here's what I need you to do. And, uh, and that sort of strength of character at such a young age stood out to me. And then the other one was, again, a camp littered with guys that want to do all the work to make the next level. Uh, as everybody else has skated off the ice, there's Stuart after a two-hour ice session doing skating patterns alongside the boards as the Zamboni is, is circling around the net. So 
Uh, he was he was something special in terms of how he approached the game as a youngster, and I think everybody knew that uh, he was going places. So I was super excited to hear this interview, and and I think a lot of that really comes through. So thanks for making that happen, Woody. But I also want to thank our friends at Sense Arena for making that happen. Um, so many units of that Oculus and the Sense Arena software were delivered over the holidays, are probably arriving now for those folks who got in those gift orders just recently. Got to be an exciting time as they arrive. And resolutions. If you've got a resolution to improve your goaltending, if you want to make something happen, um, it's not easy to do that by finding ice and getting out there and skating. We don't all have that uh, intensity of Eric Comrie that he can go out to a stick and puck and just do crease movement patterns as we heard in his interview here you probably want to do something at home so maybe you're resolving to spend 10 minutes 15 minutes a day working on your goaltending at home and there's nothing better than sense arena you can do some cognitive drills you can study power plays you can work on some basic skills with your hands um, you can learn about box control you can see how your position in the net is affecting the area that you're covering you can replay the saves you're making there's so many things you can do at home with Sense Arena that, frankly, you can't even do on the ice today. Uh, what an incredible tool that we have available to us. And uh, I think this is the year for people to take advantage of the opportunity that Sense Arena is giving all of us to become better goaltenders. All this time, we've talked about it earlier, all these NHL goaltenders that are having these, you know, whether it's they're in isolation or their teams are shut down and the Christmas breaks extended. I guarantee you guys like Eric Comrie, Pavel Francouz, who's coming back and is going to be a massive part of the Colorado Avalanche second half. These guys are Sense Arena users, Philip Grubauer. And I guarantee you when they get that downtime, they're using it on Sense Arena to help themselves stay sharp when they can't get on the ice, whether it's because of isolation or because the team's been shut down for a while. So uh, this is a tool that goes all the way up to the National Hockey League. But the beauty of it is you can use it in your basement at eight years old or in your nice apartment after you've made the show. It works for everyone. And every time I hear Hutch talk, I end up uh, using my sense arena about 20 minutes after uh, we have this conversation because it just gets me going and it inspires me. And uh, box control, that's the one I keep going back to, box control and, and trying to, uh, to, to fine tune that, that area. And that's an area that, uh, that uh, Stuart Skinner has worked on, uh, the speed, the, the pace, the the shooters and the eye-opening experience of playing in his first uh, NHL game and then getting his first NHL win and then going back and trying to double down on everything and make sure that he's ready uh, for the next time around should he get the extended look, and that has happened. It's Stuart Skinner, our feature interview brought to you by Censoring on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Really excited to welcome to the Ingle Radio Podcast for the first time, Stuart Skinner um, of the Edmonton Oilers organization, currently down with Bakersfield. And I actually want to talk about that because that was sounds like a whirlwind trip. I saw some of the videos of you rolling up to the rink. Walk me through your last 24 hours. Like we get Mike Smith yeah. comes back, you go down, but like like how much time did you have? Like I feel like almost like that was beer league level, the guy running into the running into the rink late, except you're doing it as a pro. Yeah, no, it was, um, been a, been a crazy few days here. Uh, right when I got sent down, had a five thirty flight to Vancouver and then was supposed to hit the plane at, uh, I think eight forty five or something like that. But obviously both of those got delayed. So, um, I ended up staying the night in Vancouver, woke up at around four thirty AM, 
the next day to get a COVID test because otherwise, if you don't show a negative test, you can't really, you can't, especially going cross border, you can't fly out. So, yeah, I woke up, woke up pretty early, got a test, went and had some breakfast, got the test results back, went through all the customs and all that. And, um, and then my flight that was supposed to be at uh, 8.45 a.m. got delayed three and a half hours. So we were kind of kind of struggling there. Um, finally got on the plane, uh, rushed all my gear, all my luggage uh, to get in the car. Um, and our driver, Bakersfield, um, he did a fantastic job uh, ripping through the highways and um but but doing it very safely and uh no it was great it was a lot pretty pretty crazy um kind of just drove two and a half hours basically from la airport to bakersfield um got there they said i had 15 minutes to get dressed and to uh get on the ice for warm-up okay so what's like what's your normal routine like how long would you normally go from you you'd probably have a whole thing you do dynamic warm-up which yeah. you're probably not able to do in the back of the car uh visual warm-ups like what's your routine and then how long does it normally take you to get your gear on i'm not sure i can get my gear on in 15 minutes and i'm like velcro head to toe <laughs> i can get i get dressed uh in about 10 minutes i'd say okay uh, 10 minutes i'm i'm fully dressed ready to go nice um yeah my routine is definitely a little bit longer than 15 minutes um I would say right when I got in the car, actually, I told my driver, I was like, I'd normally be, get, be getting to the rink right now. So it's, um, if it's a seven o'clock game, I'm usually at the rink at four fifteen, four thirty. 30. Um, yeah, I have a, have a routine, just like kind of get to the rink, kind of hang out, have a coffee, uh, talk to the guys, just kind of chat and enjoy some Zen time, I guess you could say, kind of just relaxing and just being at the rink, take my sticks, um, get my Under Armour on and, uh, yeah, just roll out, stretch, kind of do whatever I need to do to make the body feel good and, uh, go play some stirball. ball. That's, uh, that's kind of about it to be honest. Okay. So now you, like last night, we've heard guys talk about this over the years. Um, quite often guys will arrive to pro with a, a big long list of things that they do. And, and sometimes that routine can get a little complex. But the nature, yeah. especially of the minor leagues, is you know bus rides and delays, and you know sometimes you have to be able to do what you did last night. Is there is there value there? What what lessons have you learned? Have you ever had anything like that before? Where the lessons about yeah, I do all these things normally, but sometimes you just got to go out and play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I learned that probably more more so second year pro, but right when I got to the pro level, I was definitely. Um, Definitely a couple learning curves, um, especially my first year in the East Coast. It was like nothing's planned there. Or uh, well, anyways, like you do plan obviously, but you know the bus broke down a couple times, and like you know a whole bunch of stuff kind of happens. And um, yeah, I was kind of the same way, honestly. Going into like Bantam Junior, um, I would be, you know, I got to do this, I got to do that. You know, pretty like uh, very like in a routine base uh, before games and. Uh, when I got to the pro kind of just, you just kind of figure it out a little bit that, you know, you don't need to do certain things in order to play good. It's more so what happens on the ice that's going to determine how everything goes. And, um, that's my belief now anyways, is kind of just going with the flow and, you know, things are going to happen and crazy things are, you know, life, you know, life just gets crazy sometimes and, you know, things don't go as planned and that's when you need to be able to perform well and perform at your best. And yeah, I think it's just, uh, 
it's definitely helped me and it was, it was a lot of learning to get here and I'm happy that I was able to get through all of it to, you know, play well yesterday in uh, my situation that I was in. What, uh, what kind of things have you discarded? Cause uh, you know, I think of junior and, you know, we've seen, and we're guilty at in goal, right? Every time someone shares a part of their routine, something that might be new, whether it's juggling or guys are using virtual reality now before games, like we're always sharing it. I worry sometimes that we give all these kids so many different things. If they were to do all of them, it might take three hours. Yeah. Um, what, what are some of the ones that you've shed over the years and what are some of the things that, you know, outside of a unique situation like last night that you want to make sure you keep? Yeah. Um, last night with the, with a certain amount of time, I wasn't able to keep anything. Of so course. I just went on the ice and, uh, did my thing, but, um, I've, uh, you know, everything, your, your routine before a game kind of always changes throughout the years. I feel like, um, you know, my first year pro to this year, which is, uh, three, four years, I guess has been every single year has been completely different into, you know, routines, how I feel like going on the ice and like what I think I need to do in order to get ready. Um, one thing I've always kept is, is juggling, like juggling on the wall, uh, just, you know, a little bit of ball work about, you know, five minutes before I start getting dressed to, to kind of get my, my eyes going, my hand, I go on and, you know, tracking and all that. So, um, I've always kept that into it. Um, some years I feel good, you know, visualizing before games, some years I don't. So now I've kind of gotten to a place where I'm just like, however I feel that day, I'm going to kind of, you know, do that. So, you know, if I feel like I need to visualize before the game, I'll visualize. And if I don't, that's totally okay. And, um, yeah, so I've just kind of been, uh, I mean, kind of going with the flow a little bit more, uh, just whatever my day brings me, go with it. I mean, sometimes you want to nap for two hours, but you know, sometimes your dog barks at certain times you wake up and you just, uh, you can't let that determine whether you're going to play well in, in three hours or not. I think, uh, I think that's where I got kind of mentally frustrated is if something didn't go perfectly in my routine, like, you know, a, a, a great one and a half hour sleep or, you know, anything like that. Um, I would kind of be like, oh, like now I feel bad. And, you know, now you start mentally kind of, you know, doubting yourself where you just like, oh, yeah, it's okay. It's part of the day and let's get on with it and play some hockey. Oh, I want to talk to you a lot about this year, about your opportunity last year. But but you, you mentioned visualization there. So I wanted to ask, because this is all goalies listening to this. Everybody sort of has, like I said, different routines, different things they do. When you talk about visualization, Stuart, what is it to you? Are you picturing the game ahead? Like what a, what an opposing power play, maybe some video you've looked at. Are you looking through your mind's eye at past performances of yourself? Are you watching yourself making saves? If a young goalie were to ask you, how do you do visualization? What is it for you? Yeah, I think uh, for me, I, I visualize kind of every situation. Um, and how, And what I mean by every situation is, saves goals against uh you know bad plays good plays broken down plays kind of stuff like that the game isn't perfect doesn't go doesn't go perfect every every night so um i visualize you know how i react to a goal um you know staying even keel and you know drinking some water and uh kind of just visualize you know getting reset um for the next shot uh, and then for the most part i visualize just kind of plays happening in zone off the rush uh, just seeing myself make the save, uh, tracking the puck, uh, feeling the puck, uh, smelling the ice. Um, 
you know, you, you could do a lot with it. Just uh, feeling the puck kind of going to your glove slowly. And, you know, you, you feel that you, uh, yeah. So it's a lot of feeling, a lot of visual uh, smells, listening, like hearing the puck hit the pad. Um, I mean, all the goalies listening obviously know that feeling and know that sound and all that. So that's kind of how I visualize it. Now, are you just sitting still doing this? And I'm sorry for all the questions, but again, there's a lot of young goalies that, you know, they haven't had an opportunity to work with sports psychologists. They don't, you know, so they, they wonder, how do I do this? Right? Like, are you just sitting on a bench? Could this be in the locker room before a game, just eyes closed? Are you, when you're making and seeing yourself make that glove save, are you, are you actually moving your hands? How does that work? Uh, I kind of just sit still and let my, let my brain do all the work. Um, I normally don't, you know, move with it or anything like that. Uh, and for me, it just depends, you know, when I want to do it, you know, right. sometimes I want to do it in the, in the rink. Um, you know, sometimes I want to lay down and do it. Sometimes I do it before I go to, before I take my nap, which sometimes isn't the best idea because I get fired up for the game. So, um, yeah, it just, uh, I think it just depends who you are, what time you feel is best for you. And yeah, I mean, I think visualization is a huge part of, you know, just feeling good going into the game. I want to talk to you about this year. I mean, um, the opportunity with with Mike Inger to go up there and play some games with the Oilers have a lot of success recently. What, how how do you feel right now? How you must be feeling good about your game and how everything's gone. Like, what's the mindset right now coming off of your first extended taste of the National Hockey League? Yeah, it was uh, it was an amazing experience. Um, just being able to play a couple, uh, well, a few NHL games has been uh, you know obviously a dream come true and. Uh, especially with the oil jersey and being from Edmonton is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I was super happy with, you know, how everything went. Um, I feel like uh, just after like a few, few game experiences, you kind of, you kind of go through a lot of different scenarios. Like my first game, I mishandled the puck and uh, goal went in. And then, you know, you get a amazing uh, shootout victory against Winnipeg and, uh, he let in a couple week goals and, uh, just you know, the, the whole thing kind of happened. And, um, you know, I think it was just, uh, it was such a great learning experience for me to kind of, kind of, um, just see how the game is played in the, in the NHL level, um, being able to see how the guys are, um, you know, it's an everyday league. And I think that was just a huge learning lesson for me is that it's, you know, every single day and the schedule is, you know, every second day you're playing a game and, being able to recover, being able to rest, everything you do is so important to perform at the best, uh, at your best level. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I had a blast being up there and being able to get a couple of wins too. It was a lot of fun. Do you, all those lessons, the positives and some of the other moments that you might like to do differently looking back, like, are you able in your first taste with all the excitement that comes with it. And I know you played a game last year, but your first extended taste, you're there for a long period. Is it hard sometimes to detach from the moment and go back and review and, and learn lessons from, from both positive and negatives when you're playing well, see what it looks like. Um, what's that process like with goalie coach, Dustin Schwartz, the, the two of you sort of making sure that you're consistently building on both sides of the scale all the while you're probably just, you know, really excited to be there kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially after the first game, you kind of just want to, uh, you know, enjoy, enjoy everything. And, uh, well, after every game, really after every, especially when you win, you, you want to enjoy it. 
there's definitely a time for you to enjoy the game and enjoy the win or the, uh, the, the good, the good experiences, but you also got to think about the, the learning, uh, learning moments in the games. And I think that's what Schwartzy and I do. Uh, I think Schwartzy just does a fantastic job on being able to, you know, put me through video and talk to me after the game. You know, he usually just talks to me after the game and we kind of just chat about, you know, certain little things and little details and, uh, it's honestly not a ton about hockey. It's just more about, you know, how I'm doing and, and everything like that. And then usually gives me a day and then we, then we start doing video the next day. Um, I think sometimes it's good to let your emotions kind of subside after the game. Sometimes it can be a little too high, sometimes too low. Um, I remember after my one game in Seattle, I was, I was a little bit frustrated with how I played and all I wanted to do was watch videos to like, you know, figure it out and learn and grow and grow from the experience. And, um, sure. She was just like, yeah, we'll do video tomorrow or maybe even the next day. Like, so it's just being able to get away from those emotions and just watch, watch your video from a perspective of, um, you know, I'm not mad that this happened or I'm not happy that that happened, but just, you know, really seeing it for how it is and being able to grow from that. A little more objectively. I mean, you mentioned Seattle. That's coming off a win too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I got to ask about the year before too, because you're up there at the beginning of the year again. Mike was hurt, so it's such a weird. It's it's funny because it feels like two years ago. All the seasons are kind of like time is a weird circle right now. Um, with the with the lockouts or some the pauses, the COVID, all the lockdowns yeah. and everything. But you're there at the start. You watched Miko play a whole bunch of games. You finally get into one your first taste of the National Hockey League in your hometown. Were the emotions like that night? And what was your, I mean, you win. What was your immediate response after? Like, what was your first thought after getting that win? Uh, first thought after getting that win was uh, you did it. You uh, you played an NHL game. Um, you know, it was a dream come true. And uh, just a really, really cool moment to be able to play uh, my first NHL game. Um I remember it like it was yesterday. I mean, it was just a year ago, so it is it is still fairly fresh. But um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was very nervous all day. Um, you know, my uh, the emotions were pretty high and uh, pretty anxious. You know, the night before, uh, didn't get too much sleep. Just kind of thinking about, you know, wow, this is pretty cool. You get to play your first NHL game, and um, when you kind of get to the rink, it's you kind of calm down a little bit because you're around the guys, you get to talk to them and kind of just enjoy being at the rink, just like any other day. Um, and I think we did a great job being able to, uh, you know, that I was able to back up for, you know, a long period of time really helped me get into a rhythm of uh, kind of just the routine of the, of the team and like the meetings and all that and being able to kind of just prepare myself uh, when I was backing up so that when I did play, I was, you know, it just felt, it felt right. It felt like I knew what I was doing and uh, being able to go on the ice uh, was pretty cool. I, w- I wish that we, you know, had all the fans and my parents and family could have been able to be there, but um, you know, it was, uh, it was still a really, really special and cool moment for me and getting the win was just a cherry on top. Now it's still your hometown, even without the fans where was it extra because it was in Edmonton or the, the fact there were no fans there last year did that, did it in, in any way make it easier to detach from that? It's such a weird year for everyone. Yeah. Um, I think for me in that first game, uh, obviously I was still pretty pumped. Um, super, super excited. Um, I think like 
yeah, it's just, it's so different without fans. I feel like, um, just kind of the feeling of the atmosphere, uh, you know, the cheers, the booze, you know, like everything, um, you know, when you get scored on, you really like feel that from the crowd too. Uh, and sometimes it feeds you and, you know, getting a goal that feeds you too and kind of gets you like pumped up. And I felt like, you know, with no fans, it's kind of, it's kind of, sometimes it's just, um, you know, quiet, uh, is probably the right, right word to say is, uh, just cause there's no fans cheering for you or you make a big save and, you know, there's not really a lot of, a lot of people like standing up and clapping for you. So, um, yeah, so there's a little bit of that, but, um, at the same time, you're like, all you're really focused on in the moment is the win. So in the moment, you're not thinking about the fans You're thinking about, you know, the, you know, getting excited or the adrenaline or anything like that. You're just trying to find a way to win. And I think the part where you kind of see where there's no fans is after the final buzzer goes and uh, you kind of just get off the ice with the win. Uh, it would have been fun to, you know, see everybody going nuts and, you know, get, you know, just being part of that first victory. I want to ask you about getting a chance to do it again in Edmonton with your family there and what that's been like this year. But I, w- I still want to stick with that game a little longer because as much as the emotion and the elation of your, f- I mean, your first national hockey league win, your first national hockey league game, Schwartzy told me that, you know, coming out of that game, there was also like an element of, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to, I don't want to paraphrase it wrong. Cause I can't remember how he said it, but also a realization that there was some work to do within, within yeah. your own game. And it's, you know, when I look at that game and then I look at the results in the American Hockey League, obviously I'm not watching you on an everyday basis, so I don't know what it was, but it seemed like from there on you just kept climbing. And and can you walk us through that process and maybe what that conversation was like after that? Because, yeah, you've got that joy, but also it feels like there was a tur- uh, maybe a turning point there for you from the outside. Definitely. Um, yeah, being part of the first, first NHL experience, you kind of – you kind of just see how the games kind of ran a little bit and how, uh, how the players are, how fast the game is, you know, um, it's very different. It's a very different type of game, uh, as, uh, of what I thought anyways, um, in my perspective. And, um, after the, after that, yeah, I think, I think we won like eight, five or nine, nine, five or something like that. So it's not like I played outstanding. It was, uh, you know, hey. there's definitely, Never criticize a win, man, especially in the National <laughs> Hockey League in your debut. But yeah, I think it was a fun. Yeah. 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 So um, there's definitely a lot of work for me to do. I think a lot of it was, you know, being on the PK and the speed of the game and how, you know, the passengers flying off, you know, one touches and, you know, the guys can move the puck really well and very efficiently and um, with a lot of, a lot of detail to it. So um, just being able to play, smarter i think was kind of came out of the conversation um after that game just being able to um uh, you know think about the game a little bit more in a faster faster pace um you know being set earlier making sure that i'm not late to passes east to west plays being able to beat that on my feet um i think i think a big part of it was my skating i think uh you know uh, Schwartz and i have really really worked on uh, my skating habits and um, you know, my edge control, we do things every single morning. Um, you know, even when I was up this, the past two months, every single morning we would start with, you know, a little bit of skating, a little bit of edge work and, uh, you know, being, being able to go from elevated to ready from ready to elevated and, um, you know, all the different types of plays. So shorts, he's been an absolute huge help, uh, with me. And, um, that was actually 
probably the first thing uh, or second thing Schwartzy said to me, the, the first thing was congrats. It's awesome. Like so happy you got to win. And then uh, him and I both looked at each other and we both, we both kind of had that look in our eyes. We were like, we got some work to do, uh, you know, just to grow and get better so that I, I'm able to stay there. Um, I will say after that game though, uh, getting scored on five times and knowing that there was a lot of growth for me to take got me super, super excited. So I couldn't wait to get on the ice the next day because all I wanted to do was just work on the things that Schwartz and I were talking about so that one day I could, you know, potentially uh, stay in the NHL. Now, pace is one thing that I hear a lot of guys talk about in the National Hockey League now, especially with the amount of East-West. And as you said on the PK, like seams and like, it's just, the game's never been faster, especially side to side. Yeah. You mentioned elevated to set stances. Is beating plays in that elevated stance, like, has that become part of it? A narrower stance for you and being able to beat plays around the ice through a narrower stance? Or is there, there's probably more to it than that. But can you expand a little bit on, you know, what you did as a goaltender is probably, you know, in a, in some ways, every young goalie goes through this as they move up the levels. It always gets faster. Now, obviously, the NHL is a whole different animal, but what what you do to get faster? What you do to keep up to that pace? Yeah, I think uh, I think for Schwartz and I, it was just being more aware as a goalie, I think. Um, I think for me, at moments, I was like so focused on uh, taking, you know, just that one shot that I was, you know, completely stuck on being square to him, even though that I didn't necessarily need to be that square, be just like the angle of the puck to the net. I didn't have to take that much, that much ice. Um, so just being able to, that, that's kind of what I mean by, you know, playing a little bit smarter is, um, you know, know when to take your ice, know when not to, um, just so you can kind of beat pucks or, uh, beat, uh, beat the pass on your feet or, um, you know, kind of just scenarios like that. I think being able to narrow my stance just gave me a lot more leg power. Um, so ever since Schwartz, you know, I talked about, you know, just narrowing the stance, kind of being a little bit taller um, with my legs anyways, um, really helped me being able to, it just helped my skating. Uh, I think it just improved my skating, improved my edge work, improved my, you know, turning to, you know, make my TV push to, you know, east to west and, um, gave me more power. So I think, I think narrowing, narrowing my stance down would just really improve my skating and, and then just being able to, um, play it out from there. Um, you know, knowing where guys are so that I can kind of, you know, understand that, you know, I can take my ice there, but you know, maybe not there. So a lot of it's reads and patterns. It's interesting too. You talk about, you know, narrowing the stance and, and beating plays and all those elements. It sounds like there's a learning curve in terms of the, just the game being different as well. And yet I would imagine when you get to the NHL and it's the best shooters in the world, you probably yeah. want to feel like you're in save execute. You know what I mean? I, your first time, you probably want to feel like you need to be in save execution stance all the time. And yet, as we know, if you get too tense or you get too wide, that's when you can't move. Absolutely. I, I learned that very, very quickly. It was like one of my, I think it was probably five minutes in on the power play. They're moving the puck uh, so fast, like faster, obviously, than I uh, than I have ever been used to. And um, I got wide a couple of times, couldn't really get to, couldn't really move. And then I was so deep in my net when they ended up, did, like when they did end up shooting. And he beat me, uh, you know, just clean top glove. And I just kind of, I remember after that goal and then looking down and seeing me like on the goal line, basically. Because I was like, I was so wide, I couldn't move, I couldn't push. 
And if it wasn't east to west, I had to slide to get there. I couldn't beat it on my feet. So I, I, yeah, you're just a lot slower. Well, for me anyways, I'm a lot slower when my, uh, when my legs get a little too wide. So, um, yeah, that, that was a huge topic that me and Schwartzy talked about that was just able to, uh, I think that it elevated my game, uh, quite a bit. Well, and I would think that that would be natural. Like I said, like you go up a level, these are the, these are these shooters. You're, you're going to naturally want to sort of be a little more like, it's almost human nature to try and be more alert, more, you know, but that's also, like you said, wide intention and all those things. So were you able to get away with some of those things in the AHL before? Like you go back to the AHL, does the realization of the pace you had to play with, did you start to apply things differently when you went back last season? Cause again, it looked like there was a progression even when you went back. Absolutely. Um, after that game, Schwartz and I had that conversation. We were able to practice once. And then I think a day later, two days later, I got sent down. So, um, being able to just to take that feedback that Schwartz, gave me and, uh, you know, really, really take in the learning lessons that I got to, um, learn just from one game of experience. I was able to, you know, understand, uh, really want to imply that in the game in the AHL, no matter how the game is played in the American Hockey League. Um, so coming down here, just really, you know, emphasizing um, and really implying that, um, you know, keep my stance narrow and, you know, really focus on what's going to make me you know, essentially get me to the, to the next level and get to the NHL. Um, so yeah, I just kind of came down with that mindset on just keep on improving at, a, a, at the level that I want to play at. And I think that I was able to, uh, to help me play better in the American hockey league as well. No. So you get the, you know what it's going to take to get up there, but I'm guessing there's an excitement too. Like you said, you couldn't wait to get back on the ice that you, you, do you still feel that? Like, is there still that excitement right through last Absolutely. season into the off season? Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. Um, you know, even, even going down yesterday, even though like with the hard travel and, um, you know, with, uh, with like 15 minutes to get dressed, all I was thinking like in the car ride, especially when we were getting closer to Bakersfield, I was just, you know, thinking I can't wait to play today just to like get better and just, uh, you know, work on my game that I've been able to work on in the last two months, you know, with the NHL experience that I got to, uh, got to have. And, um, also the, the time I was able to be with Schwartzy, I was just, I was pumped to play yesterday. Okay. I got to ask about another, another influence on you when you were up here. Cause I was at a morning skate here in Vancouver. The team was here. You backed up Miko, but Mike was on the trip. This is, uh, I think early in the injury, but he was skating. It looked like he was on his way back. I don't have the date in front of me, but you were out there for a long time. It was a morning skate and Mike was out there at the other end for a long time. And at some point he just started watching you. And then you guys came to the bench and I wish I had a microphone because you guys sat there <laughs> and talked and talked and talked. What I'm not going to ask you for the secret conversation with Mike Smith, but what's it been like to have him as a mentor? Cause I know, you know, I I've heard he he's, he's watched and he's been impressed and, and sounds like he's taken an active role in that side of things. Yeah, absolutely. He's a, uh, he's a, uh... First and foremost, he's one of the best guys ever. He's um, just such a really good person. Um, and you can really tell that he cares about you. Just, uh, he's a great teammate and uh, he's also a great leader. He was, uh, he's been a huge, huge part in me just being able to grow my game for myself. Um, you know, he's helped me a lot with just conversations on the mental side of the mental side of the game. And, you know, a lot of what we talked about, um, you know, in this call, just, you know, 
things aren't going to be perfect. You know, flights are going to get delayed and you're not going to be able to get sleep some nights, you know, you're not going to be able to get your perfect nap and uh, all that kind of stuff and being able to play through that. Yeah. He's, he's been a huge help with me, not only on the mental side, but also on, you know, the physical side, the skating part of the game. Him and I, him and I talk quite a bit actually on the ice, you know, after every practice, we kind of, kind of go into the stretch and then we go to the bench and we just start drinking water and we start talking about hockey and uh, start talking about the game and what he thinks uh, I could do better and, you know, what he's been working on and, you know, um, what he's learned through his experience. I mean, he's been playing for a long time and um, pretty amazing that he's still, uh, that he's still performing at such a high level. I mean, he's, uh, he's playing so well, especially um, being here in Edmonton too. Like he's been, amazing to watch and there's so much uh that i can learn from them i'm guessing i'm maybe i'm wrong here this is a wild guess but did you after the detroit game did he reach out to you i'm not sure if he would have been on the road but you mentioned you mentioned the puck handle the turnover the puck i remember having this conversation with him a very young mike smith and marty turco in the locker room of the dallas stars about not stopping when it doesn't work about not being afraid to make a mistake with the puck. When, when the puck handle goes wrong, the, the last thing you want to do is stop doing it. Was that, was that a conversation you guys had after that? It was. Yeah. He, uh, he was there. Um, and after we kind of, uh, went on the bus, um, and then I think, I think we went on a, on the plane. I could be wrong about that, but we, uh, we were doing something. We were traveling and, um, I, I saw a text from him saying, Hey man, keep your head up. Um, basically the same thing, um, you know, and when, when a play like that happens, the next time you get a chance to play the puck, make sure you play it. Um, you know, never, never stop, uh, playing the puck. You're going to screw up every once in a while, especially if you want to be a good puck handler. Like sometimes you're going to fan on the puck. Sometimes, you know, crap happens. So, um, never be scared to, uh, to make a mistake. That's kind of the the thing is don't be afraid to make a mistake. And if you do learn from it, grow and, uh, keep moving forward. No, I don't know much about, I mean, obviously I, I know a little bit about your game. I was at the, the program of excellence when, when Schwartzy first saw you before they yeah. even drafted <laughs> you, which is kind of, this has all come full circle. I remember him, yeah. you know, running drills with you back in that camp before you were an Edmonton Oiler or a member of the Oilers organization. So, what I don't know though is where's has puck handling always always been a strength of yours? Because I look I look up the history and like, not many guys have a goal in the WHL, but you do. Yeah, um, I've always really um, I've always really tried to be a good puck handler. Um, you know, I've worked on it a lot and a lot throughout the years. Um, I remember when I was really young, um, my dad would always say, you know being a being a goalie you, you can also be like a third defenseman and you know really help all your team being able to play the puck and you know make the right plays and make the game you know easier for the defenseman so um just being able to work on my puck handling you know, I basically work on it every single day you know in any which way um and you know you just keep on working on it and I think it, it can be a huge help for a team you know it can help out the defenseman can help out the forwards can help out the breakouts so I think it's a uh, it's a big part of the game now and uh, being able to being able to be in a position that I'm in to watch, you know, the best puck handler uh, in the world for a goalie, you know, Smitty is, uh, is pretty cool. And I, uh, I'm pretty, pretty excited. I'm very, very um, uh, grateful that I get to watch him, uh, you know, throughout these couple of years. I got two more for you. Cause I've taken up more time than I, which is a habit. I apologize, but 
What's it no like? No worries. You, you get up there, and and even that first stint last year, as much as you only got the one game, you were up there for a while before you got it. You're facing Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl in practice every day. Um, it's, it feels like almost like a cliched question to ask a goalie, but I'm sure every young goalie in the world wants to know, like, what's that like to see those shots over and over and over again? Do you have to, as good as they are at times, do you have to sort of compartmentalize the results and just look at it as an opportunity to get better? Cause they do things with the puck that frankly leave me shaking my head as, as do a lot of NHLers, <laughs> but clearly those guys are next level. What's that like? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, us talking about, uh, you know, me having to get used to the pace of play and how fast the game's played. I mean, you're, you're up against the fastest player in the world. So, um, that definitely helps, you know, get into, uh, the pace that you want to get, get into. And, um, yeah, these players are, they're just special, special players. It's pretty amazing to see what they can do, not only in practice, but in games. I am, uh, very, very grateful that I get to, that I was able to be on the ice with them every single day uh, for the past two months. And also in the summertime, uh, you know, Leo, Leo comes down early and, and starts shooting on me uh, throughout the summer. And I think it's just big, especially, especially how I want to, you know, I want to make my way to be an NHL goaltender full time. And uh, the best way to do that is to get the best shots and the best players to, uh, you know, work on that with. So um, being able to have, the two best players in the world and also just an amazing group of uh, talented hockey players uh, with a, with uh, some amazing shots, amazing plays, amazing IQ. I mean, not only those guys, but you know, everyone on the Oilers, you're playing against the best players in the world. Um, you know, th those are the top guys that, that the NHL has been able to find. So it's um, pretty special. It's hard. <laughs> it's uh, they definitely make my, uh, my life, uh, you know, not easy. And um, you kind of just look at it as a way to, to get better. The first time, I will say that the first time uh, practicing against those two guys was uh, you're definitely nervous and you're kind of like, but you're also in a good spot because if you get scored on, you're like, okay, the best player in the world just scored on me. And if you stop it, you're feeling pretty good. Um, but now it's, uh, it's a little bit different after being with them for a little bit. You're kind of just... Um, you're kind of just practicing, seeing uh, ways that you can, you can do better. Um, you know, obviously playing with uh, McDavid's, his skating ability and his puck handling ability. I mean, McKinnon's a very fast player. So you kind of just think of, okay, how do I react to a fast skating player like this? And then, you know, when you see that from McKinnon or other, you know, really speedy guys uh, from the league, you kind of, you understand that speed, you understand where you have to be um, in those types of situations. So, um, they're a huge help for, uh, for growth as a goalie. And last one, speaking of special, you finally get a chance to play in Edmonton in front of family. I mean, how, I, how many people were there and what's that moment like, and what's it like to be at the end of it against a pretty damn good jets team, 47 of 48 and you win in the shootout, like no slouches in the shootout either. You talk about McDavid and Drysaddle, like the Jets are loaded. Kyle Connor scares me as a goaltender, frankly. Um, you come out on the right end of that, like 47 to 48, first time with family in the stands uh, to get that win in your hometown. Like, can you sum up what, what that night was like, what the emotions were like, what that meant to you and your family? Uh, it was uh, it was a very special night. Um, I mean, growing up in Edmonton, you're, 
you're growing up watching the, the Oilers every single day. They're always on TV uh, every night, watching it with my dad and my brothers, my sisters, my mom, um, you know, everybody. So, and I have a huge family too. So I was going to ask, like, do you have like seven or eight siblings? Seven? Eight siblings. Eight yeah, there's, siblings. There's nine kids. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it was almost like game nights is what we call them. And we get, we get chips and, you know, pop and, you know, we'd all sit down and uh, watch an Oilers game. And it was, uh, it was so much fun. I mean, growing up, you're kind of just like, wow, I want to, I want to be Dwayne Rolls and I want to be, you know, Abby Bull and, uh, you know, wearing the Edmonton logo. So being able to, being able to play in front of my family, my dad, my mom, uh, my wife, my brother Sheldon, my sister Shannon, um, my sister Shannon's husband, uh, Adam. We got, uh, you know, we got, we got a pretty good size crew there uh, for, for my first game uh, in front of them at home anyways. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool just being able to think, you know, uh, growing up, I've always dreamed of being, of being an Oiler and so did my parents and they were able to watch me uh, play against, you know, the Winnipeg Jets and uh, being able to get a win, especially in a shootout too. Like that's just, a, that's a perfect way to win. So it was uh very special night. Oh, I forgot about the old Smythe Division rivals, right? Like that was a, that was an old yeah. old heyday rivalry. And I've got to imagine you take from that not only your ability to perform at such a high level that night, but to detach yourself from all those other elements and focus on the task at hand had to be like there must be I don't know if it's satisfaction is the right word, but just a like hey man, like I if I can do this under this moment under this pressure with. The, with everything that you just described attached to a single game, that's that's got to be a pretty positive reinforcement of your ability to to really lock in. Absolutely, um, I think for myself, I think one of the the biggest things that I learned coming out of these, uh, not just that game, but all the games that I was able to play the last couple of months, was um, you know that I uh, there's more belief in myself now. You know, there's a belief that uh, I am an NHL goalie that I can play in this league and. Um, I can win in this league and I can uh, play well. So um, now it's just being able to keep growing, keep moving forward and uh, keep getting better every single day. And um, hopefully one day I'll be able to be a full, full timer. Oh, well, we look forward to seeing you. I know that day's not far away and we look forward to seeing you up here with the Oilers in the near future against Stewart. Thanks so much for this, man. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you. Coming off that conversation, and uh, and so good to hear him speak, and, and so relevant and timely. Uh, so good job, Woody, for being able to uh, arrange that discussion with Stuart Skinner. What's next? Like it's kind of up in the air with with the Edmonton Oilers as far as uh, what they're going to to do or what they may have to do, and that all revolves around Mike Smith and 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 his status and and COVID and and making sure that you've got uh, some security there. Well, I, like I said in the interview, I was kind of hoping that, uh, not hoping, like obviously I hope that Stewart's back in the National Hockey League as soon as possible so I get to see him at Rogers Arena, but uh, they were supposed to be here for four straight games over six days next week, actually this week, I guess, later this week um, with Bakersfield. We'll see what happens. Uh, Mike Smith's not playing today as we record this after apparently getting injured in his first game back from injury yesterday, so Stuart Skinner very well could be back in the National Hockey League by the time many people listen to this. I think at the end of the day, um, the work that's gone in from last year to now, the steps that he's taken, 
the way he's shown himself to be ready for this level, um, that opportunity is going to be there, whether it's now or next season. Like he's he's an NHL goaltender. Uh, you hear him talk about it. He believes it doesn't mean he's going to stop working, but he's an NHL goaltender. And I think they believe that, too. And so whatever happens the rest of this year, COVID injuries, it could be impacted by so many different things. But what it does is it gives you the security next year with Miko Koskinen's contract expiring of knowing that you have a guy that's ready for the National Hockey League next year. Um, whether what role that's in, I mean, a lot of other factors will go into that. Mike Smith having another year on his contract and, you know, how long does this reoccurrence of an injury linger? Where's his health at next year when he'll be 40? Um, but at the end of the day, it gives you that security of knowing for at least a certain amount of games and a certain role, you've got a guy that's homemade. Right. You don't need to go out into the market and invest in solving that problem. You've solved You've convinced management they and don't have stewards. to do anything. Exactly. And Stewart's done that work. He's done that job. And, and it really is remarkable to me. Like I said, uh, not to make to, to go back to that point, but it really was. It, I, I kind of had a, I was told this is how that conversation went, but it was really neat to him to hear him say it. Like, imagine, like, you grow up in Edmonton. You, you heard him talk about game nights, watching Oilers games with his whole family, a family of nine, like he's got eight siblings, like nine kids watching Oilers games. You get your first NHL start. And yeah, there's no fans in the building, but it's in the building, in Edmonton. You win it. And yeah, as he said, he gave up five. They beat the Ottawa Senators that night, eight to five. But you win that. And immediately in the elation of I'm in the NHL and I've won my first start, the next thought is, man, I've got a lot of work to do. And there's a self-awareness there. And the fact that he didn't just recognize it in that conversation, as I understand it, in the locker room after the game, like immediately, but then went out and did that work, yeah. recognized there were steps to be taken and then went and took those steps. Like, and, and directly because of that, he's ready for the opportunity. Like to me, that's just, you know, that's, that's cool. That's, that's what you want to see, right? Like that's development working. That's, that's a goaltender who isn't resting on laurels, who recognizes even in a moment that should be elation, there's still work to be done and he went out and did it. And the other thing I can say is, like, I know Mike Smith, we talk about his status and how that affects it. Like, he's a fan. Like, he watched Stewart this year and was like, wow, like, Stewart's getting really good, hey? Like, there's kind of watching him in practice, there was that moment it's been relayed to me where he's like, wow, like, he's come a long way. So others around the organization and the team recognize this. And that's got to give him a lot of confidence and it's got to give the organization and his teammates a lot of confidence, whether it's this year or next. How many uh, goalie coaches, in, in talking about uh, recognizing things and, and, and sometimes the goalie coach will come to you and say, look, we, we got we to gotta really work on this area. Uh, but how many goalie coaches have uh, had to experience uh, the thrill or maybe the angst of, uh, of playing in practice this year and going in and having the the players that they're working with, uh, the goalies that they're working with, watch them and and having to live up to that kind of thing because we, we've like, practice goalies have become sort of the norm. How many broadcasters have had to do <laughs> no, that? No, either? true, but but I didn't. Not too many. But I know you're referring to uh, our good friend Franz Jean. He, he looked from good. Tampa Bay Lightning. He looked so good. My I sent the highlight to my son because he got to meet Franz here in uh, Vancouver one time, and he just said. Okay, tell me he played at a really good level once because he looks better than a lot of junior goaltenders I see in yeah. terms of his skating. It's uh, yeah, he was really impressed, and and of course a little bit of windmill action in that highlight we saw too. So out of boy France, 
and I would imagine there's a lot of this going on around the league. I I remember I remember the first time the first time Ian Clark had to fill in here in Vancouver for, and Roberto Luongo took the practice off. <laughs> and I remember Roberto after just laughing and smiling and saying, "Yeah, there's a whole lot of uh not a whole lot of uh doing what he preaches out there. Like it was, it was <laughs> do what I tell you, not what yeah. I do, right? He was he's out there throwing Jock Plant like two pad stack jammers and <laughs> or going Johnny Bauer poke check out there like it was uh it was definitely not uh it was definitely not the way he teaches. So it's kind of nice to see Franz say, "Hey, that's old school, right? <laughs> Just good good footwork, good skating, get into position and let him know you made a beautiful glove save with yeah, the windmill. That, that, I, I watched him and went, ah, let's go. Put, put, put him on the list uh, of, of potential uh, saviors. If, if you should, They're getting down yeah, there. They should, may have need to. Somebody. Uh, what's going on over at uh, Ingle Mag? You know, guys, what's going on over at Ingle Mag? I just want to refer back to the Stuart Skinner interview again. And he mentioned that moment, or Kevin mentioned that moment with Mike Smith, where he gave him that advice. Uh, when he gave up that puck handling goal, he said, get back in there and and handle that next puck as soon as you can and uh if if you're interested in that relationship between mike and and Stuart, i'd encourage people to go check out uh the article or the series that we published on mike mike smith teaching a couple of young goaltenders including my son uh, about puck handling and the and we made the first article in that series uh open so that you don't need to be an in goal member to see it we we've published it uh in a few emails and out on social media just search mike mike smith puck handling look at the first one and he actually talks about some of that stuff with the two young goalies he's with, about the attitude that it takes to become a great puck handler, about what he went through, about experiences he had very similar to what Stewart had. Uh, so if you want to learn more about that, that's just a great place to go. And we use that as part of some uh, promotion stuff over the holidays where we were trying to encourage people uh, to give the best gift you can give the goaltender in your life. And that's a gift subscription to In Goal Magazine. And uh, if you are interested in that, if you maybe you didn't get all of the gifts that you'd hope for for Christmas. Maybe um, you got a couple of bucks left under the tree to spend as you wanted, or maybe you're just looking for something to do because there's a little bit more snow than we all expected. And you want to spend some time uh, sitting by the fire, reading about goaltending, go grab yourself a gift subscription to in goal premium. You can get yourself one, or you can send one to your, to your wife, your husband, your daughter, your son, uh, give them a full year of goaltending where they're going to get not only the year of content that's coming, but everything that's already there, guys. So that's over a hundred pro reads, uh, not including the Darren Millard one that'll be coming this year, but you'll be able to sit down with NHL goaltenders and find out how they made their saves, why they made their saves. Uh, it's just the best teaching content out there for goaltenders. And we really encourage people to uh, get aboard, grab a subscription costs even less than those uh, fantastic sticks over at the hockey shop for you Americans. It's like a cup of coffee. I think it's about 40 bucks American when you work out the exchange rate and we do ship across the border via email. So uh, grab your subscription. Guys. The warrior V one sticks over at the hockey shop, the hockey shop, uh, com, and uh, a gift sub- subscri- subscription to uh, uh, Ingle mag, uh, the premium member. Like uh, this is, this is the deals keep on coming. Woody. It's going to keep us all up all day just uh, just downloading all this stuff. As Hutch said, remember, if you get your annual subscription, you, it's not just what's coming. It's what's in the archives. You get the full 500 plus articles over 100 plus pro reads. Uh, we will keep you busy for a while and we will make you a better goaltender as a result. This uh, episode goes to the top of the list. Uh, and uh, next week, uh, we will rejoin you to uh, discuss 
What's going on in the wide world of goaltending and uh, what lies ahead as far as trends as we get a handle on uh, where the season is going? There's some cancellations uh, because of attendance restrictions in Canada and, and a moving uh, sort of fluid situation in and around the National Hockey League, which trickles down to the American Hockey League. And Woody's got uh, everything uh, handled on, on that front uh, due to his access uh, to uh, to both leagues. So we'll keep you up to date on that as well as our feature interviews and uh, what's happening over at the Hockey Shop. Haven't chatted with Cam in a while, so hopefully we get back with him at uh, the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com and Source for Sports Surrey for all of us. Thanks for listening and Happy New Year uh, from Ingle Radio, the podcast.